Hello and welcome to Quotes This Week on Live Law. I am Tanya Pandey, here with last week's top judgments and orders passed by different courts across India. Let's begin the episode with judgments from the Supreme Court. In view of the allegations of violence during the polling day for local body elections in Tripura, the Supreme Court on 25th November directed the Home Secretary of Tripura Government, the State Election Commission and the Director General of Police to ensure that every polling booth is manned by sufficient strength of Central Armed Police Force personnel. The court also directed that the polling officers should take the help of the CAPF personnel in the event of any emergency. The court also directed that print and electronic media should have unhindered access to report the election after being told by the Council for Trinamool Congress that all polling booths did not have CCTV cameras. A bench of justices D.Y. Chandrachur, Surikant and Vikramnath further directed the DGP and Secretary to the Department of Home Affairs of Tripura to immediately access the security situation and review the need for additional deployment of central forces. The Supreme Court has observed that illegal use of a licensed or sanctioned weapon per se does not constitute an offence under Section 27 of the Arms Act 1959 without proving the misdemeanour under Section 5 or 7 of the Act. The court also observed that at best it could be a misconduct under the service rules. The bench of CJI NV Ramana and Justices Surikant and A.S. Bopanna in this case was considering a criminal appeal against a Punjab and Haryana High Court's order from May 2010 in which the High Court had confirmed the order of conviction and sentence passed by additional sessions judge Chandigarh under Section 307 of the IPC and Section 27 of the Arms Act. While setting aside the sentence, the top court held that post its amendment, Section 27 of the Arms Act is strictly confined to violation of conditions mentioned either under Section 5 or 7 of the Arms Act and the unlawful purpose of using arms and ammunitions is no longer an inseparable component of the delinquency. The Supreme Court has observed that Section 362 of the Code of Criminal Procedure does not empower a court to sue or to recall the earlier order passed by it. In this case, the Kerala High Court had initially, under Section 482 CRPC, quashed the FIR. Later, the High Court took up the matter Suomoto and recalled the order. The accused, therefore, approached the Apex Court. The bench of justices Vineet Saran and Anirudh Bose set aside the High Court's order, recalling its earlier judgment quashing rape and child sexual assault charges against various accused. The court said that Section 362 CRPC does not have the power to alter the judgment and order once passed except to correct a clerical or arithmetical error. It is high time that civil society reacts and responds with strong disapproval about ghastly crimes committed in the name of caste, the Supreme Court remarked, while upholding the conviction of accused in an honour-killing case. The bench of Justice L. Nageshwar Rao Justice Sanjeev Khanna and Justice B.R. Gavai observed that the directions issued in Shakti Vahini v. Union of India to take strong measures to prevent honour killing should be carried out by the state governments without any further delay. In this case, the trial court had convicted and sentenced most of the accused to death. In appeal, the High Court had upheld the conviction but commuted death penalty to life sentence till last breath. While upholding the High Court judgment, the Apex Court noted that the High Court had commuted death sentence, taking note of the advanced age of some of the appellants, 
the passage of long time after the commission of crime and mental sufferings they have already undergone. The Supreme Court also observed that credible evidence even of a hostile witness can form the basis for conviction in a criminal trial. Even if the witnesses have turned hostile, their evidence can be accepted if they are natural and independent witnesses and have no reason to falsely implicate the accused, the bench said. The court added that the evidence of such witnesses cannot be treated as effaced or washed off the record altogether. The Supreme Court on 26 November allowed the review petitions filed by two death row convicts to convert the death sentence imposed on them to life imprisonment for a term of 30 years. A bench of Justices L. Nageshwar Rao, B. R. Gavai and B. V. Nagaratna noted in the order that the court is duty-bound to elicit all relevant information regarding the possibility of the reformation of the convicts before imposing the harshest punishment of death sentence even if the accused is remaining silent. Also, the state is under a duty to produce evidence to establish that there is no possibility of reformation and rehabilitation of the accused. In the instant case, the bench noted that the death sentence was awarded without reference to the possibility of reformation of the convicts. The Supreme Court has observed that bar under Section 34 Sarfazi Act on filing civil suit is attracted if allegations of fraud are made without any particulars. In this case, the High Court had rejected a plaint and dismissed a suit on the ground that the suit was barred in view of the bar under Section 34 of Sarfazi Act. Perusing the plaint, the bench of Justices M.R. Shah and Sanjeev Khanna noted that except the words fraud or fraudulent, there are no specific particulars pleaded with respect to the fraud. The court said that as per Order 6, Rule 4, in all cases in which the party pleading reliefs on any misrepresentation, fraud, breach of trust, willful default or undue influence, particulars shall be stated in the pleading. The bench, therefore, held that the High Court had not committed any error in rejecting the plaint or dismissing the suit in view of the bar under Section 34 of the Sarfazi Act. Let us now go over judgments from the High Courts and other courts. In a significant judgment, the Jammu and Kashmir and Ladakh High Court recently issued certain guiding factors for magistrates to consider when they pass conviction orders under Section 138 of the Negotiable Instruments Act. The bench of Justice Sanjeev Kumar opined that criminal courts should bear in mind the laudable object of engrafting Chapter 17 containing Sections 138 to 142 of the NI Act and give priority to the compensatory aspect of remedy in check-bounce cases. The court specified these guiding factors for the magistrates who are dealing with Section 138 cases. However, the court did add that before inflicting such a fine, the trial magistrate must eschew the amount of interim compensation, if any, paid under Section 143 capital A of the NI Act or such other sum which the accused might have paid during the trial or otherwise towards discharge of liability. The Allahabad High Court has observed that in all cases pertaining to the POXO Act, the directions issued by the High Court in the 2021 judgment in Junaid v. State of UP have not been complied with by the local police as well as the Child Welfare Committee of the concerned district. In Junaid's case, the High Court had issued directions and a timeline for the disposal of bail applications under the POXO Act 2012. 
The court had also issued a direction to the police and the child welfare committee to inform the aggrieved or victim party on getting the notice of the bail application of the accused, inform them about their rights, provide legal services, etc. Essentially, while dealing with a bail petition filed by a POXO accused, the bench of Justice Ajay Bhanot on 23rd November noted that prima facie the police authority had not only disobeyed the orders passed by the court in Junaid's case, but had also undermined the right of the victim. The court has directed the Director General of Police, State of UP, to file his personal affidavit in all connected cases regarding the cause for failure to comply with the Junaid case and the action taken against the concerned officials. The Calcutta High Court has issued notice on a public interest litigation petition challenging the central government's power to decide the jurisdiction of the border security force. The petition challenges Section 139 Clause 1 of the Border Security Force Act 1968 for being ultra-varies the constitution to the extent that it provides unbridled, unrestricted and arbitrary powers to the central government for fixing the territorial jurisdiction of the BSF. The plea further reverse that the Supreme Court in the case of S.R. Bumai v. Union of India has held federalism to be a part of the basic structure of the constitution and therefore the principle of federalism is neither to be altered nor to be touched by any action of the state including by laws as defined under Article 13 of the Constitution. A division bench of Chief Justice Prakash Srivastava and Justice Rajarshi Bhardwaj issued notice on the plea and directed the petitioner to implead the BSF through the Director General in the instant petition. The matter is stated to be heard next on December 14th. A Delhi court on 27th November issued summons to former Union Minister P. Chidambaram, his son Karthi Chidambaram and others in connection with the Aircel Maxis case. Special Judge M. K. Nagpal also took cognizance of the charge sheets filed by the Enforcement Directorate as well as the CBI in the matter. The court has now summoned them to appear on December 20th. The case relates to corruption and money laundering allegations pertaining to the FIPB clearance granted for the foreign investment made by Malaysia-based Maxis company in Tamil Nadu-based network company Aircel in the year 2006. The Allahabad High Court has granted its sanction to the CBI to prosecute its former judge, Justice S. N. Shukla, in the Medical College bribery case. The CBI has alleged that Justice Shukla took illegal gratification for passing a favourable order in a matter regarding Prasad Institute of Medical Science, Lucknow. With this sanction, the CBI can now move ahead and prosecute Justice S. N. Shukla. The allegation against him was that he permitted a private medical college to admit students for academic year 2017-18 to despite orders against it by the Medical Council of India and the Supreme Court. These were the top court updates from last week. If you like the information in this video and want to know all the latest legal updates, subscribe to Live Law and click the bell icon. I am Tanya Pandey and you are watching Courts this week. Have a great day. Subscribe to our channel and press the bell icon to never miss a video from Live Law.